Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. Welcome and skull. This is Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker. I'm here with Brian McKinney. He won a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens, and he also played for the Minnesota Vikings for a little over a decade. Here with Sally from Minneapolis, who's one of our usuals, along with Ron from Eden Prairie. And tonight we're welcoming Aaron Rupar who was the associate editor at Vox uh, up until recently. I think now he's doing his own thing, but he is a prominent and national journalist that happens to be a Vikings fan. And we've interacted before on Twitter and I said, Hey, come on my show. So he's going to co- uh, come and explain his Vikings fandom and talk some of the current topics, which unfortunately includes the loss to the Browns, the lifeless one at that. And we'll get into a little bit of a preview of the Lions and what might happen if this thing continues to go downward. So that is what we have on the agenda. First, per our usual MO, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline is back and it's better than ever. All eyes are on the uh, gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. For example, the Los Angeles Dodgers are the favorites to win the World Series at a plus 375 money line. Go check that out if you believe in the Dodgers. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use the promo code BLEAV, like this show, to receive your bonus. Believe. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, Aaron, my man, this is your first time on the show, and you came from Vox, I believe, and you're doing something different now. So I want to know about what you did there, what you're doing now, and how you became a Viking fan. Oh boy. Well, so yeah, I was at Vox covering politics. I just left a couple of weeks ago to do my own newsletter uh, in which I'm still covering politics and media. Okay. And so if people are interested in checking that out, uh, it's Please. called Public Notice. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can go to aaronrupar.substack.com or just pull me up on Twitter, atrupar, and you can find it there. Um, if you're into politics and media, I don't know how many, you know, some Vikings fans are, but I don't know if that's like a huge interest of a lot of Vikings fans, but um, anyway, of course, I grew up uh, in Minnesota, and so, you know, I've always blood purple, um, had season tickets from 2000 through 05 when I was in high school and part of college, and uh, I think I've watched 
probably just about every Vikings game since like the 97 season, somewhere in there. Okay. So uh, I'm back in Minnesota now and I was at the game against Seattle. So I guess I picked the right one to go to because the, the Browns game would have been kind of a downer, <laughs> but uh, you know, at least they're interesting. Um, you know, it's been kind of a disappointing season, but um, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's really fun to, to talk bikes. Absolutely. And you're a gopher as well, correct? Yes. I went to the U of M for grad school. So I was at the Ohio State game, uh, which was a lot of fun, even though, I mean, that was, that was a loss that actually was still kind of fun other than the Ibrahim injury, which was, you know, obviously, obviously a bummer, but uh, yeah. So, you know, grew up with all the, the local teams and lived in DC for a while. So I, you know, I kind of cheated on the twins and the, the uh, Timberwolves <laughs> a little bit with the wizards and the nationals out there. Yeah. But uh, the Vikes have been my ride or die. I've never, I've never strayed from the Vikes. So you, you never did any cousins things while in Washington. <laughs> You know, I was actually at the game that the Vikings lost to Washington. I think that was in the, was that the 20, 17 season? 16, um, 2016. Yeah, I was at that game. And so, you know, Washington, when I was out there, I would kind of perk up. Um, you know, they were in the playoffs one year that I was out in D.C. where they won the division, I think with like a 9-7 and seven record on, with, with Cousins as a QB. Mm-hmm. But uh I don't know. There's just, you know, between like the ownership there and of course, like, you know, the whole controversy surrounding the team name and Mm -hmm. their stadium was like 45 minutes outside of the city. Um, So it was never like a super appealing product. Um, Although I, you know, I was very, very excited when the Vikings signed cousins because I always kind of felt like he was held back, you know, by kind of a dysfunctional organization and sort of poor coaching. And um, I think I was maybe a little bit, you know, I'm, I, in hindsight, I should have revised that take a little bit because I think obviously he has more limitations than maybe I, I thought at the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when the Vikings signed him living in D.C. at that time, I was very, very excited and kind of felt like, you know, like a lot of Vikings fans did that that was kind of the last piece they needed to, to win a Super Bowl. Fair enough, sir. All right, BMAC, let's get into some of these questions about the team itself. So here's what I'm stuck on. I want to get your take. And um, you've you've watched some of the Vikings in one and three record. The the beef in the middle of the defensive line, Michael Pierce and Dalvin Tomlinson aside, individually are playing pretty well. However, the run defense is struggling tremendously. How can it be that the two big guys in the middle of the line are playing quite well, but the run defense on the whole is having problems? I want to say that too. Um, so are they playing well in the in the past game or they're playing well overall? Well, the the two as individuals overall are playing quite well, but the run right. defense is not there. So I wanted to know X's and O's, what what might be the blame there? Well, they must be running to the outside and um somebody must not be keeping contained because it can't be up the middle because two guys are playing well up the middle. They're you know, they're stopping things up the middle, and it has to be more of plays that are being ran outside that'll be better. And, um, that's probably how that's possible. Okay. Yeah. That adds up because it has to be something because on their own, they're doing just fine. Sally, do you think the linebackers are struggling here? Because it's one of the biggest points of contention for this defense is they can't stop the run. It's a continuation of last year. And we thought we had it fixed. Honestly, I'm not the one to ask because I truly don't know what the heck's going on. (laughs) It's all very confusing to me. That's okay. Ron, you got, you got something, you know, I think, um, I, and you know, Kendrick's obviously is a great player, but I think he's kind of struggled a little bit at times. And there in the Seattle game, there was a couple of plays where he seemed slower than usual. Um, so I don't know if he's still dealing with some injuries or whatnot. Um, is there an echo or is that just on me, my end? There was, but we'll keep an okay. eye on it. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Um, but anyways, so yeah, I know the two guys up the middle. Yeah, they have been playing well and they have been making some splash plays. Um, but I think for me, the biggest concern isn't necessarily the giving up big plays, except what does seem to happen is it's one big play like that Kareem Hunt draw that, you know, gets <laughs> gashes, a, a, gets a big game, but it just, a lot of it seems like volume. Joe Mixon had what 130 yards or close to it, but he had almost 30 carries. So it's not like he, we were just getting dominated up front. It's just, they just keep going back to it and going back to it. And uh, I think that's more of the concern is the fact, why can't we get off the field or why can't we make a play when it matters um, to stop these long drives? Even on Sunday's game, it was what the first two drives or first drive from each team took us right into the second quarter. It's long drives that are just adding up yards. And, you know, fortunately they were turnover on downs a couple times, but uh, I think that's more of the concern is that, we're not making the plays when it matters on a regular basis uh, because, you know, yards are going to be given up. But, uh, yeah, it is disappointing to see when we're so stout up the middle that that it's been tough. So we'll see. Hopefully a bar comes back. That'll change some things because um, Vigil has some splash plays, but then he also has some poor angles at times. So it sounds like Eric Wilson to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't uh, miss tackles, though. He just he's not as fast yeah. as Eric Wilson. So. Uh, so, Aaron, during the 2020 season and now in 2021, I get excited when it's only a four-yard gain by the opposing running running back. Why is <laughs> why is that happening to me? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm right there with you. Um, you know, I, I really thought, though, that the defense played well enough to win the Cleveland game. I mean, I know obviously they were getting gouged in the run game, but, you know, I felt like, um, I mean, how many consecutive stops did they put up there in the fourth quarter and even – you know, the key play of the game on defense was the the holding call on Kendricks, which I think I can understand why the, the referee called that because you could see the jersey being grabbed. But, you know, when you kind of watch that back on replay, I don't think it really affected the play. So, you know, to me, the big story and, and I know that, you know, there's a lot of things to talk about. So I don't want to like segue out of your out of your topic. But um, <laughs> to me, it was really, you know, the, the O-line not being able to, to keep Cousins clean. I mean, you know, we've seen that. Um, when he has a clean pocket, he's one of the most effective quarterbacks in the league. And when people are up in his face and he's not comfortable, you know, he struggles. And so um, I really felt like overall the defense did enough in that game, you know, to kind of keep them around where they had to put a drive or two together in the second half to win the game. And, you know, they just couldn't do it. So, you know, obviously the run defense thing is kind of mystifying because I really mm -hmm. felt like they had, they had shored that up, you know, having Pierce back and then signing Tomlinson. And, uh, you know, and yeah, n none of the games has that really played out. I mean, even, yeah, the Cincinnati game mix in was very effective. And then, of course, you know, it seemed like um, the Browns were kind of running at will at times, you know, even though Baker was really struggling. So um, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's a personnel thing, but, you know, now I know Pierce is injured. So um, yeah, right, it could at this point be a personnel thing. But, yeah, that, that really is kind of mystifying because. Zimmer, you know, historically has had good run defenses and they seem to have the talent this year to kind of get back to where they were, you know, pre 2020 and um, it's just not happening. So it, it, it's kind of mystifying to me. And then a uh, cautionary tale for the folks that maybe aren't obsessed with all this stuff like uh, the panel is when we signed Sheldon Richardson, the theory was that he would be depth, you know, in the, in the event something happened to Dalvin Tomlinson or Michael Pierce. But it sounds like Zimmer said today that Armin Watts is going to be the part-time nose tackle, and it won't be a shift of Tomlinson over to nose and Richardson back to his organic natural three-tech. So point of order, remember that, that you're going to probably see more of Armin Watts than you are Sheldon Richardson, which surprises me. 
Uh, Sally, do you um, think bars return? Excuse me. Go ahead. I was just going to say a point about the defense is they were on the field for, you know, the time of possession was so off oh, by 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like they, you know, they weren't really getting a break for, I mean, when three and outs and things like that. I also think that Stefanski, I mean, gave them a lot of breaks with going forward on fourth down when they could have easily taken, taken the, the points. Um, but that ever since sack on fourth and four was huge. That could have been a huge momentum changer early on in the game. And I, I mean, um, I was going to say something very important, but I forgot. Uh, It's just, I don't even know how much you can blame them, but then Baker played so terribly. Mm -hmm. I mean, Baker completed 45% of his passes. So if Baker even played competently, what would the score have been? Yeah, that's, that's the spooky thing to think about. Um, (laughs) If you, if you look at his numbers and all of the metrics, QBR, PFF, passer rating, DVOA, all of that, he is playing horribly. Like he's yeah. down towards the 27th, 28th best in the league. And it's, it's tough for me to explain those types of things when your team has a one in three record because people are like, why do you tweet stats when we have a losing record? It's all about wins and losses, Sonny. And um, I wanted to get it out that, yes, if that would have been an average quarterback on a given Sunday, the Vikings probably would have won by lost, excuse me, lost by two or three scores because Baker was ineffective. And he, it kind was, of, yeah. he was bad. Yep. Like, and it kind well, of, let me, yeah. Let me also throw in a plug, Dustin, for your your tweets and your stats because I'm I'm a relatively I think I've been following you for a couple months now, but um, you've got the best Viking stats on Twitter, I think. So, oh, thank um, you. I'm sure, I'm sure listeners are all following you on Twitter already, but um, if you're not, you know, follow Dustin because he tweets a lot of good Viking stats. Well, that's that you can't like you know I know people like start to say cherry picking of stats, but <laughs> stats are what they are. They're numbers. They're you know, factual evidence of something. So yeah, while yes, there's other elements to it, but you've never staked your claim on um, anything more than just the stats and facts of a game. So yeah. um, I think that's where people, the, it, the line of opinion and facts are blurred for a lot of people that they can't. Uh, I got a, what I got a kick it. out of what I got kicked off. I think on Monday, I tweeted that the Vikings, the first team in NFL history to have a positive cumulative point differential, which means they've outscored all their opponents and then also have less than two overs and still have a losing record. And people thought I was being a homer, pointing out that that's a good thing. And I had to correct multiple <laughs> people saying, like, no, this is shit. This is not what you want whatsoever. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's but that's Twitter. That's why we love it. Uh, so, so a team to score more over t- of turnovers or something? No, well, the Vikings, uh, they won their one game by 13 points. And then the other three losses are by a combined, what is it, Ron? 11. 11. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Seven, so three and one. yeah, so we're up, we're right side up on where we should be in the in like the grand scheme of point differential. It doesn't matter; we're still one and three. Uh, but mm-hmm. it, it it goes to show how the freaky garbage that happened in the first two weeks uh, really got this team off to a rough start. Um, I said it last week that to erase the demons of losing those two games, they had to beat the Browns and the Seahawks, which we didn't think would happen about a month ago. Um, but mm. they beat the Seahawks and we have momentum beat the Browns, but didn't happen. And Sally, you've tweeted this week that you know, <laughs> lower the temperature because a lot of us thought that this team would be one and three. I wasn't one, but you thought so, right? <laughs> I think we all have sat here on this show and said that it's very possible that yeah. they could be one and three before the season started. I think that that was very common on Twitter. I, I mean, we thought the win would be against the Bengals, but I don't understand why for so many people, the sky is falling when I thought that that was a pretty common take. Um, of course there's the homers out there saying, Oh, it's going to be four. No, but 
at least everyone that I associate with <laughs> thought that it was very possible. And then I, I see, people, go ahead. I'm sorry. I think a lot of people think that, you know, they might've thought that at the beginning, but watching how close the games ended up being, especially last week. Yeah. And it was like a chance that you actually could have won. It's probably why it's a little like. For sure. And I get that. But if they would have been blowouts, they would have been right. upset too, you know? So I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just like when you actually see it, you get more upset, but um. Yeah, I'm a little confused by what's going on. However, the teams that we're going in playing, other than Detroit, we thought were not going to be as good as they are. Um, so I guess it's not really getting any easier like we thought it might be. Um, but yeah, like, but, can everyone calm down? We didn't. And, you know, like, uh, you know, Dom, who we've had on the show before, Dom Claire, he uh, um, it put it perfectly today. Like, you know, he's like, we're one and three. A lot of us probably thought two and two. I know he said I was on record of saying two and two. So we're a game behind that. And then people are like, you know, like the magic number is now all of a sudden, you know, two losses and we're done. So um, yeah, just calm down, you know, Mike Tice, calm down. Uh, Well, uh, it's, it's still early. And, you know, in order to be a good team, you have to beat good teams like when the time comes. So if they go on a roll, if they get hot, that's all it takes. You know, Brian, you were part of that, that uh, Baltimore team where Joe Flacco, nothing against him. Obviously he had a great historic run, but overall the course of his career, he's, you know, a slightly above average quarterback. He just got rolling at the right time and got you a ring in the process. So that's all that they need is just a hot streak and to take down some of these teams that, uh, that are on their schedule. I'm going to, I'm going to dampen the mood a little bit and um, drag the conversation to a different aspect in the event that this continues to go south. We're not necessarily lost the lions, even though that would you know just <laughs> immediately snap fingers into hell. Um, but Sally, I want to know this from you. If indeed this, this season goes by the wayside and we see a change in leadership, whether it's the quarterback, head coach, general manager, or all of them, what do you do with the core pieces of talent that we thought were good enough to win now with Justin Jefferson, Eric Kendricks, Daniel Hunter, Adam Thielen? Do you support a fire sale like at some point and do this thing like the 76ers did 10 years ago or like the Dolphins sort of did two years ago? Or do you find a coach that thinks he can win now and just get a different quarterback? Um, honestly, I, I don't know. I'm going to need to think about that a little bit, a little longer. <sighs> There's pros and cons, I think, to doing both. I don't, what is the likelihood that you're going to find a quarterback that you can just plug in and, and that's going to be good to go. You know, like, uh, realistically, I don't know how they would even get rid of cousins unless they found a trade partner. So I don't know, obviously we have a lot of um, veterans on the team that if you're not going to be in a win now mentality, doesn't make a lot of sense to keep them on the books when you want to go younger, um, but geez, I don't know. I'm not ready to say goodbye to all of those guys. So I got I got to think this over. I don't know. So in the heat of the moment, you would say some sort of soft reset or soft rebuild, or you just need a full time to comprehend the question and then get back to us next. <laughs> I week. mean, I got to know who's the coach. What's okay. I got to know more details before I commit to to this. Ron, I know that you're not uh, big on the idea of a rebuild, especially when you have this much talent. But if indeed we got a new skipper. Do you predict that that man would say, you know what, this is fine. We can just win with this. Or do you think that we would see a, a whole facelift of the team? So 
you know, when it comes to football, I don't, or in the NFL uh, specifically, I don't like the idea of a full rebuild, especially when you have a roster that has as much talent as it does. Like, and, you know, with all those veterans that you've named, you know, really, if you take the five guys that are close to or over 30 with Harrison, um, you know, Thielen, Kendricks is getting up there, Barr, who's likely gone just contract wise, uh, and then Cousins, the rest of the team, we have one of the youngest teams in all of football. So we have um, elite level players at young ages that are either locked up for a long time or on rookie deals and Jefferson Cook, um, you know, Daniil Hunter. So there's no need to do a full rebuild. And the NFL, the beauty of it is, and Brian, again, you can attest it's um what happens one year might not be what happens next look at the Niners a few years ago when they brought in um Shanahan like they were bottom feeders to all of a sudden you know you know having a chance to win the Super Bowl same with the Rams and uh and McVay so if you know as big of a Zimmer fan as I am or at least you know that I've been um if things go south that's the move you make you find a new um a new headmaster to come in and hopefully um get the pieces to work, whether that's a B enemy or an offensive type guy, but there's too much talent on this team for it to be bad and for it to be personnel based. Um, and I think, you know, anyone who looks at the team up and down can see that because they have the pieces in place and they are a youthful team um, with veterans sprinkled mm-hmm. out. So while, you know, a Peterson might not be back or those type of guys, yeah. um, the guys under contract are going to be here and you keep them. And then at that point, you actually, if you are that bad where you have a, you know, a top five pick, then you have a luxury of, you know, what, if you don't think Mond is the guy, you can draft a, one of these top quarterbacks and then, have Kirk play out the last year of his deal in a true mentorship type role and then see what happens the following year. So, um, I mean, I don't see, see Kirk that we saw on Sunday being the one that's going to play the rest of the year. We all said last week, he's going to have a bad game. All quarterbacks do, but overall at the end of the year, he's going to have his 4,000 yards, 30 something plus touchdowns minus or, you know, less than 10 interceptions and close to 70% completion. That's just who he is. Um, so while he's not the long-term answer, I don't think um, you can win, still win with that team coming next year. Uh, Aaron, if Zimmer, if the Vikings don't make the playoffs, I think it's a foregone conclusion that Zimmer would be out. And then you just wait to see if it's Spielman too. Um, and I mean, that changes everything, whether it's Spielman or it's not. Um, but would you rather see like the Vietnamese type come in and use these guys, just coach it differently? Or would you support some sort of rebuild? Wait, it's kind of a it's it's a rough topic to try and process on like October sixth, right? Because I think everybody <laughs> kind of had higher hopes for this year, but um, I feel like if you're getting rid of Zimmer and probably Spielman at that point, I think you kind of have to blow it up. I mean, obviously a guy like Justin Jefferson, I think you'd want to keep around. Um, but you know, the Thielens, uh, obviously you just signed Harrison Smith to an extension, but you know, guys kind of in that category. Um, you know, 30 plus years old. Um, if you're not going to be trying to win now, I think it doesn't really make sense, obviously, to have those guys on your team. But, you know, my, my sense of things is that we're kind of, you know, they, they have two games obviously coming up before the bye, Detroit and then at Carolina. And those both seem like winnable games, but it just kind of feels to me like we're sort of on the 2020 trajectory here again, where it's like, you know, it's hard to dig out of these holes, especially when uh, the Packers seem like they're going to be, you know, the Packers seem solid again, and they're probably going to be, have a winning record this season. So you're not going to probably win the division at nine and eight, you know, it's probably going to take 10 plus wins to, mm-hmm. to win the division. And so I, I guess in that sense, maybe it's not too soon to be already thinking about these things, but um, 
you know, the way I'm kind of viewing the season at this point is that these next two um, are must wins. And then you get into the buy of three and three, and that's not a total disaster. Cause I think what Sally said is right. That, um, you know, you could have looked at their schedule heading in and seen one and three quite easily. Um, you know, no one would have predicted them to beat Seattle because it had almost literally never happened. Right. And Russell Wilson had never <laughs> lost to the Vikings. So, yeah. um, so one and three kind of made sense, but it's, yeah, it's just, again, you, you were thinking that you were going to win that Cincy game. And I think, Beyond that, it's kind of the way that they lost those games, um, you know, with Cincy just being kind of an, an all-around debacle, so many penalties in that game, the fumble at the end, and then just the classic Vikings heartbreaking kicker loss, you know, when you played a great game in week week two against Arizona. So I think the way that we've kind of gotten to one and three has been um, kind of difficult to swallow. Although, on the other hand, if they had a three-game losing streak right now, that would be pretty bad, too. So. I'm not really willing at this point to go all the way to like thought exercises about the offseason quite yet. But um, I do think if they lose one of these next two games and are two and four or worse headed into the bye, then then I think at that point I'll be ready to kind of like game theory the offseason a little bit more. Uh, two things here. So on on the Jefferson part of this, uh, I, I ca- if it's a full rebuild, so be it. That's what it has to be. But I caution folks in endorsing that with a full throat because almost to like the year of his contract year, you would be putting Jefferson through two additional presumed losing seasons if it's a true rebuild when his contract's up. And it's highly unlikely he's going to want to stay with a losing team for a fifth year. Um, So you might lose Justin Jefferson with a full rebuild because he'd be sick of losing. It's just, if it happened to Diggs, it can happen to Jefferson. And we thought we were good when Diggs was here because we actually were pretty good. And then uh, in a comparison to 2020, that team started one and five and was supremely deficient of talent based on injuries to Neil Hunter, Anthony Barr, Michael Pierce opt out. They were one and five and they found their way to six and six and they weren't very good. So that should give you a little bit of hope, even though the schedule's brutal, that if they could do it last year, they should be able to do it this year. Uh, BMAC, were you, you were never part of a true, true blue rebuild, were you? I'm sorry, it's a rebuild. Um, I feel like my first year, there it was a rebuild. Guys, in two thousand two, was that? Yeah, everybody was new because I remember okay. um, in my um, my head to my interview after I got drafted, and they asked me to name the Vikings. All I knew was Randy Moss and Paul Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> it was the year like Corey Chavis and all those other guys. Were, like a lot of new guys that came in in two thousand two, so and that was Coach Tice's first year. So I do feel like I was part of a rebuild that year. Okay. Um, when Coach Childress came, it wasn't a total rebuild um, when he came, but he slowly did start letting go of some guys. Like some guys came. I was there when a lot of guys came, and I was still there when some of them left too. So I've seen a lot of guys come and go. But like a true rebuild, I feel like my first year, the Vikings were going through a, a true rebuild then because a lot of new guys. So like a lot of guys in that locker room, it was their first time being around each other too. It's okay. almost like you were not like a part of a rebuild on the like a established team. You were part of the rebuild. I was part of getting, the rebuild. Yeah. Getting young talent in and getting, you right. know, like trying to turn that lead. So everybody, a lot of those guys, they were like their fourth <laughs> and fifth year. You know, I was a rookie and they were like in their fourth and fifth year and they're all like basically their second contract and they were all coming to the Vikings. So mm-hmm. I was a part of the rebuild in that aspect. And wasn't it wasn't 2002 the Randy ratio year? Mm-hmm. I, I think that was, right, that was yes, sir. Was it two or three? I think it was two because that was Tyson's first year. I remember his thing was that they're going to throw to Randy all the time. Oh, okay. And um, man, wasn't the opening season of that the opening game of that season was also a devastating loss? I remember it was in Chicago 
when the Bears were playing, not at Soldier Field, but they're playing like at the college stadium at the time. But I just remember the Vikings loss. I think it was an overtime loss. Um, anyway, you have a very great memory. <laughs> yeah, for the Vikings losses, there, yeah. I, I have a yeah. photographic memory. That's probably why losses. we lost. <laughs> probably didn't have an equipped left tackle at the time. I wasn't, I wasn't there yet. <laughs> That's, that sounds familiar. Uh, speaking of Childress, or yeah, he just popped up out of nowhere. Was it last week and stirred yeah. the pot again for, for where? Where did he pop up at? Oh, he was, he was on, on with PA. Yeah, he was on PA, and he started pointing fingers at the origins of the word schism. So, well, it's funny. So the way I heard it, like you know, I heard. Wait, uh, first of all, we got to explain to Bryant what it is yeah, that he said. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I'm gonna get. So oh, okay. um, I heard it in the blind reaction when when Ben Lieber was on. But so he did a did an interview with PA and uh basically like as the interview was wrapping up, unprompted, he said, um, and I know you got Ben Lieber there, and he's the one that brought up or that coined the phrase schism. And like essentially that's just how he left it and whatever. And then so when Lieber, like he was on the radio, so PA played it for him, played the clip, and it was just like again, unprompted out of nowhere. Like I know Lee, or you, you got Lieber there who coined the word, and Lieber was like, "What?" Like first of all, you've been holding this grudge for a decade, and you know, call me and we could talk about it man to man and whatnot. So didn't he was like, "But I haven't talked to him." And so it's just like what you're, uh, you're what you've said about him and everyone else that has talked about him. It doesn't seem like he was very much a, um, a I didn't know person that, that players like. <laughs> No, well, Ben so- Lieber doesn't have a grudge. So basically, Chili calls in to talk about Stefanski. And as they're wrapping up the conversation, he's about to hang up the phone. And and um, Chili, because Ben Lieber works for KFAN, he mm. says, that guy you got there all the time, he's the one that created the schism. And then he basically gets off the phone. So totally uh. blindsided, you can't follow up. <laughs> so basically, he blamed Ben Lieber for leak. He was blaming Ben Lieber for leaking stuff to the press about what was going on in the locker room. Oh, sure, just didn't say that? Yes. Yeah. That's what he was saying. Oh, wow. And yep. Ben Lieber is like, I didn't, he's like, Ben Lieber said, I appreciated that he thinks I'm smart enough to know the definition of schism, <laughs> but I didn't even know that was a word until I heard about it in the media. And then he talked about how it was like the, you know, when Randy got released and how uh, um, he didn't even know that like the, the, team like told, or they told the players to stay out of the locker room and whatnot so he was handing out flyers for a charity event and got caught up with media coming in and they're like so we heard randy got released he's like well i guess so yeah it was oh. just uh it's kind of funny okay. like dustin said it just popped up but that's nowhere. funny that coach children ends his conversation and says that like yeah like, he took a jab he, at him out yeah. of nowhere he knew he was starting shit because he know Lieber works there. You know, like it just seems right. So... It's just he... vintage Childress. It sounds like someone who's trying to get back into the spotlight that hasn't been there for you know. Well, I was saying years. I'm gonna ask him to be on this show. Oh boy, Are you Childress sure? or that'll Lieber? be interesting. No, Childress because he's obviously trying to get back out there. And, yeah. and at least you'll hear, at least your name's right there, Brian. So no, I'm not going to tell him. Tristan Thompson. I'm oh, not going to tell him Brian <laughs> is on this show. And so B Mac can, can change, take his little name off of there, and he can change it to something else. And then when children start talking shit about him, he can pop up. <laughs> there you go. B Mac, was, was that your last season with the Vikings, the uh, 2010? Uh, 2010 was my first last full season. Yeah, I came yeah. back for training came in 11, but I went to the Vikings, I mean, to the Ravens after that. 
Okay. Cause I was going to, yeah. Cause that was kind of a rebuild situation after that year too. So I was wondering if, if you had left that off season or what happened there. And training, I was there first couple of days for training camp. Like, um, Cole Pepper was there. Tried to get you to restructure. Yeah. They tried to get me to restructure and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, <laughs> I called Shelly. You know what's crazy is Cole Pepper really came there. I mean, not Cole Pepper. McNabb, McNabb, was it? McNabb came there because his mama, my mama <laughs> really close. They're in the NFL Mom Association together. So he was like, okay, B-Max there. I'm going to go there. Like, that was part of the situation. Only for me to see. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I did not know that. We hey, need uh, to get him on here. McNabb? Yeah, I'm friends. Yeah. I'm friends with, our families are friends with each other. Oh, so, hell yeah. That'd be sweet. Uh, hey, Aaron, hey, Aaron, do you still have to drop off at the halfway point? Yeah, pretty soon. Okay. So you just, if this is convenient, sure. I mean, it's really fun talking to you guys, actually. No, I'm kind of like no, sad, that no, I, it's, I, sad that I have a baby I have to tend to here, but. Oh, that's how <laughs> it goes. Well, you give me, you just give me a, a message in the chat box. Um, but I, I will ask you this. Will a win sure. against the Lions, the third to worst football team in the NFL, will that reinvigorate you personally? Or is that just like, for the love of God, get the W? I mean, honestly, it will reinvigorate me because I'm just a rube like that, you know, and, and especially, you know, if they if they put a hurting on them and it's like a nice, satisfying, you know, just like taking care of business, you know, 30 to 10 type game. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But, you know, really, I think when I kind of look at it, you know, again, from like the bigger picture, um, you got to win these next two. You know, you got to be three and three heading into the bye because I know the schedule gets pretty tough after that. And so, you know, it's going to depend how the game unfolds. I, I'd like to see kind of the, you know, like a, a win in all phases of the game. Cause I feel like every game there's been one facet that has had its issues and, At least you know, once. contributed to losing. So, um, yeah, so it's going to kind of depend how it plays out, but, you know, really, um, the, the Homer in me will be excited just because, you know, whenever the Vikings win a, a meaningful game, I'm excited about that. But, um, you know, the the flip side is that it would be an absolute cataclysm if they lost. So I'm just kind of assuming that they're going to win. Um, but that won't stop me from getting, from getting excited. I'll definitely be excited. Okay. All right. Give me your Twitter handle one more time and your website, and then we'll let you go tend to your, your baby. All right. Yeah. It's at uh, A.T. Rupar, T for Thomas, at A.T. Rupar on, uh, on Twitter. And my Substack is called Public Notice. Um, so if you're interested in reading about U.S. politics or media, check me out there. and. Dustin, BMAC, Sally, all you guys, it's been great chatting with you. Um, Thank you for joining us sometime this season. Oh, yeah, we'll have you back, good sir. We appreciate it. Yeah, nice meeting you, Aaron. Yep, have a good one. Nice to meet you, Aaron. Ron, good meeting you, too. Yep, nice to meet you. Hey, Sally, while we're on the topic of, you know, possible rebuild or structural change, do you have in your your heart of hearts or your mind of minds some quarterbacks that you'd like to see? Are you you thinking like the young – or excuse me, did I say our head coaches? Excuse me. Oh, okay. um, yeah, sorry. Not quarterback. I'm not going there yet. Uh, <laughs> head coaches. Are you thinking? Are you thinking the young, young style, or like the enemy right in the middle, or what are we thinking? You know, I would like a young style. I would like an offensive-minded coach, especially if we're going to try to keep some of these key pieces on offense here. Um, Kirk, Thielen, um, Cook, Jefferson. I think um, an offensive-minded coach would be really great for them. I. Would have said it before what, a week ago. I would have said Kevin Spansky type of coach is my dream coach, but I was not impressed with um, him at all. Really, on Sunday, with a lot of his decisions. Uh, I mean, I respect ballsy that, or what? Yeah, and I mean, I know he has one of the highest percentages for going forward on fourth down. I just felt like he was trying a little. I felt like he was overthinking things at times. Um, I think he left points on the field. I, I don't know. I, I, the challenge was awful and he was standing right there. 
I just feel like he was just trying to be a little too cute. Um, and he just kept giving, you know, calling for Baker to make plays when the running game was going great. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I wasn't that impressed. I just think he overthought it coaching Zimmer possibly. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would think I would prefer, um, a younger guy. Uh, B Mac, you, you know, Eric Bieniemy, correct? I do. He, um, was coached the running backs while I was at yeah. Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's the, that's the reason his name pops up in Vikings echo chambers is because of those mm-hmm. ties to Minnesota. And he keeps getting passed over for head coaching gigs. It's like the cosmos are telling him right. and us to, um, you know, come together. You think it'd be pretty neat to see him as the head coach of the Vikings? Oh, I definitely do. Um, I feel like that was his, that was my first introduction to him, actually, honestly. And he coached AP, and he did a great job with him and Chester Teller and all those other guys. And to see him finally get a head coaching position would be great. And I feel like a lot of people have been kind of cheering for him to get this role, but he has been overlooked. And um, I would like to see him finally get, you know, that opportunity. Hey, Ron. How old uh, is he? How old is Eric? 52. Oh, okay. Well, that's an improvement. He's like that uh, was it, Doug Peterson age when he won the Super Bowl with the Eagles. So he's right in that medium. But remember, always remember that the guys who win Super Bowls are still the old guys. We love the, the new guys, but everyone who keeps winning is either 53 or older, like for the last seven or eight. It's crazy. Ron, is Biennemi your number one with the bullet or are you? Are you so all actually for me, um, like there's there's three. Biennemi is on the short list of guys who I like. So I do like the. First of all, I think offensive minded is the way to go. Um, I just think that the way that the league is trending, um, I think you look at the elite teams um, in the league, they're ones that they can put up points on the board and, um, you know, their defense is a little leaky at times and they have, you know, they can get stops when it matters, but even look at the Rams, they have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, but the rest of their defense is a little iffy. So um, they're just going to look to outscore you. But the the, I, the names that I like um, are, um, uh, Brian Dable in Buffalo as an offensive, the offensive coordinator, because I do like kind of what he's done with Josh Allen, um, at least his development. But I think, again, I'm not high on Josh Allen. Um, I mean, his completion percentage is what it is, uh, but that's a name I like. And then also Joe Brady in Carolina. Um, that's a name that um, I think is kind of that the next up and coming Um like in that trend of, you know, he made the jump from college to the pros. And while I don't typically like those guys that go straight from college to the pros, he did it as a coordinator so he can learn the NFL style of play in the NFL game and then take what he knows there back into the, the head coaching ranks of being, uh, um, you know, the, again, the mastermind of a team. Um, another name that really intrigues me, and this is only because of the respect I had for him as a player um, since his college days, uh, Byron Leftwich. Um, I look at what he's done in, in uh, <clears throat> and he was taken right ahead of you, right, Brian? That's well, he was he's he was a couple years after me. Oh, he was after. Okay, so maybe that was or whatever. I thought for some reason that was the same class. Yeah, he was like oh four, I think. Uh, but mm-hmm. I look what he's done with Tampa. Even when uh, before Brady got there, you know he was at least they weren't a bad offense. They were showing that they had some um, capabilities of being in that upper echelon. They were just lacking talent at the time. So um, I think he's a guy having played the quarterback position in the NFL and, you know, he was really good for a while and he was a statue back there. The dude couldn't move, <laughs> um, but he was always a very uh, a good player. And I think he's brought a lot of those philosophies um, in the head or in the 
offense or as an offensive coordinator, I think he would be another candidate for me um, with Eric Bannemi on that list as well. So uh, all offensive guys, no surprise there, but I think the fact that all the talent we have on offense um, and I don't see that going anywhere. Um, I only see it getting better because our offensive line adding Darisaw into the mix and the rest of the, the young offensive linemen, um, they should be good for a while. Um, and if you have the right guy in place, they could be one of those um, potentially um, p- perennial dynamic offenses uh, that the league sees. Sally, do you have a segment for us tonight? Well, I texted you that my segment was going to be Brad Childers, but let's talk about, um, so Bryant, okay, here's my bone to pick with you. Why were you not in town this weekend? <laughs> so I was all out of, town, of your out buddies, of town, all of your buddies were there. Mike Tice was there. Um, Pat Williams was there. Um, everyone, I, made where clear, were you? I made it clear prior that I would be out of town. I was going to a concert in Atlanta and I wasn't going to be able to make it to Minnesota. And what concert was this? It must have been very important. It was. <laughs> to, miss, to miss your boy going into the Ring of Honor. I'm sorry, but this was already planned prior to me knowing. So. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, okay, I'm a little disappointed. So listen to this story, though, you guys. So I um, get a text from one of the guy. Well, so one of the guys that works at the team store in Egan. And he's like, I was like, hey, you know, I was taking my friend in the museum that was in town. And I said, should I take her? Like, how long does it take to see it? And he said, well, off the record, um, Kevin Williams is going to be at the museum at 10. So you should come then. So I am definitely not the type of annoying person that would ever talk to a player ever in my life. But I was like, okay, I'll go because I should say hello to him since he was on the podcast and I'll get get a picture of him with him for social media or something. So anyways, I go, I'm doing the museum thing. I see him there. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to talk to him. I'm not going to talk to him because it wasn't like an actual signing. He made it sound to me like it was a signing, but they were handing out like big posters with him on there. So I'm like, this is weird. I see people taking selfies with him and stuff. So finally, I'm like, okay, just like go say hi. Just do it. Just do it. Just get over with. And this woman, <laughs> I don't even know how she got a job with the Vikings, you guys, because she looked like she like rolled out of the trailer park. Like it was real weird. She comes in between me. She stops me like this. And she goes, ma'am, ma'am, you cannot speak to him. You cannot speak to him. He is here with his family. He is not here to speak with you or any fans. He is here for ring of honor. And I was like, okay. I was like, no problem. Like, I was just going to say hi because he was on a podcast that I was on and I met him. And she was like, Tom, come over here, Tom. She wants to know if she's allowed to talk. It was like the most mortifying. (laughs) It was so mortifying. I was so embarrassed. So, which Tom was? I guess. Okay. I thought, do you like Bart Simpson? Yeah. That was Tom yeah. Wiz then. I would say, yeah. It was so embarrassing. I was like, <laughs> they acted like I was trying to like kill him. <laughs> See, Sally, that's right. Like, you know, did you get a chance to speak? No, I wasn't gonna dare speak to him after that. I wasn't even gonna talk to Tom. Like, I just bolted it. That's right. You just gotta be like, you don't know, you don't if you, you don't know. Tom, you know, Tom, Tom got um the other guy on our podcast. Tom is aware of it. Matter of fact, speaking of Tom, I text Tom last Wednesday. I said, Tom, let me know if we get Everson on our podcast. He said, let's circle back on Monday. Let's see if he plays well. I forgot to circle back on Monday. But yeah, Tom is aware of the podcast. 
Well, what was I going to say? I mean, Kevin was standing like three feet away, so he would have heard me being like, hey, Tom. I mean, it was just so embarrassing. Like, it was awful. It was already embarrassing, so you might have just went right through it and just got it done. I mean, this girl wanted to kill me. Like, I thought she might pepper spray me. It was yeah, excuse me, ma'am. I, don't you know who I am? I, I don't know. It's just, all right, I'm never going to try to talk to anybody ever again. Did I hear correctly that we might be able to get Ev? Yes. I had time after um, the podcast last week. That's the time you think we could ever get Everson on the podcast next Wednesday. He said, let's circle back on Monday. And if he plays well, then yes. I don't know if he's been well. playing well. Yeah, he, he didn't play well. Yeah, he had uh, what felt like was going to be like the pivotal sack for the game yes. in the first half. It was huge. Yes. Everything about that game, going back to it, when we went for not not that I'm uh, saying it was dumb, but we went for it on fourth down. Couldn't believe get, it. We went for it, didn't get it, and poof, that was it. It oh. was like it was like we're never trying that again. We're not going to play any more offense today, oh, for that goodness. matter. And, I thought uh, you meant the first, fourth, and one because I really liked that decision. Oh no, I liked the decision, and uh, I was surprised by it. But it's it felt like the wind came out of the sails on the one that was down in their territory, and a fifty-two yard field goal or something, something like that. No, no, the Vikings had a fourth down and they went for it. It was right, but it would have if if they would have. Oh yeah, the field yeah, goal, yeah, sorry, like, yeah, yeah, so and yeah, and they went for fourth it. and four too. Right, it wasn't yeah, just a it, fourth it, and one. And it really felt like that was the point where the offense just packed it in and says, all right, well, we're just going <laughs> to. Well, it. the Everson sack was so huge, yeah, it especially was, yeah. a fourth and four. It was it was so unex- I mean, I don't know what to say unexpected, but it was it should have been a momentum changer that for them to not come out for them to come out and do a three and out immediately after. Mm-hmm. And then when they missed it in field goal territory for a fourth and one, they went on in, in the second half for that not to come out and rejuvenate them. And take, they didn't take advantage of any of the opportunities that they were blessed to receive. Yeah, I think that like if you you know in you know watching the game and everything, I think the biggest fault for the game, like obviously the Browns outplayed us like in every aspect, um, except for quarterback because Baker was just that bad. Uh, But I feel like the game plan against Miles Garrett was terrible. I feel like it was they acted like it was Brian McKinney out there in his prime blocking him. Like at times when Rashad Hill was getting run over, pushed back into into Cousins, mm-hmm. and then when they did put three guys on him, he still found a way yeah, to I get a sack. That, like, uh... Th- that dude is a monster. Like I mean, like I knew he was good. I knew he was fan- like one of the best ends in football. But watching him in person and watching like a man that size with the quickness and strength that he has, like. Six four, about two seventy five. Arms too. Yeah, and he's like, and I know there's that clip that went viral last week where it was something like, "Promise I didn't speed it up," and you just watch him like go right and then left, and it looked like a scene from the Matrix, just how quick, how quick he moved. So, um, I mean, it's like again, it's kudos to to him and kudos to the, them for putting him in good spots. But I feel like I'm not saying Darison needed to be out there because that that's the last thing I would want his first game to be up against Garrett. But they needed to do a better job of. Uh, of giving help to Rashad Hill. And I think that's on whether it's on offensive coordinator or coach um, that I think that's what, what got us. And Jadavian Clowney, obviously another number one overall pick. He's no slouch on the other end. So um, they, they just, yeah. Brian, I have a question for you. Mm. Did you ever play with Aaron Henderson or just EJ? Yeah, both of them. Both of them were on that team at, uh, at the same time. Okay. Aaron Henderson has been real spicy on Twitter lately. Do you follow him? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Play him in fantasy in two weeks. 
Wait, you guys play this insane fantasy league? And Ron too. Yep. Yeah. Oh well, thanks for the invite. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I, I still don't know who put it together. It was like Wizard I have no idea of Oz. who it was either. Yeah, yeah. I, I was all like, "Yeah, sign me up," and I asked where I send the PayPal, and they're like, "No, it's free. It's for Twitter yeah. hype." And I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah. Uh, but I found out uh, a couple so, weeks ago, Aaron Henderson's in the league. What's Aaron been saying on uh, Twitter? Um, he's been saying a lot of things about Mike Zimmer and how um he needs to be fired. Um. And a lot of people are talking back to him like he doesn't necessarily know what he's talking about. Um, and so he's like, quote, tweeting every single person and like <laughs> kind of dunking on them. And it just goes on and on and on and on. Uh, I'll try to get him on the show. Do it because he's very outspoken. It would be so interesting. We could, um, we could get him. The best was when like him. someone would like rip on him. Like, you, you don't even know what you're talking about. He's like. Un, I was an undrafted, uh, undrafted in the NFL, played this amount of games, and the games I started, this is what I did. So, yeah, I know a little thing or two about football. And that, was, mm-hmm. that was pretty great to see, like, just the subtle hints of, yeah, I played it, I lived it, I, I know what uh, what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. He has some tweets about Tice. He talks about memories playing at the Metrodome. Like, he has a lot of, of good stuff to offer. So, yeah, we should uh, we should have him on. Okay. And we, his co-host on, yeah, Amory, I was yeah, going to say. Yeah, he's friends with Amory, so from all angles, we could, you know, unless okay. he doesn't like one of us, we could very easily <laughs> post it to the I, message board. On I've never had beef. I've, I've had a lot of new beefs this week with, with friends of mine um, because of this losing record. People have morphed into nine-year-olds. Uh, but I don't, Aaron, Aaron Henderson isn't on that list. But there are notables. And, um, yeah, one of, them, one of them, Sally, turned out to be vindicated. I'm trying to watch find one of his spicy tweets, but I'm to scroll too far. <laughs> so I don't. Um, we haven't uh, like really gotten into this week's game, like which that's fine. Oh yeah, it's the line. We always just, forget but, to do that. But like the one thing I, you know, I, Brian, this is specifically for you. Like as a player, like obviously you've had moments where you've gone through tough like stretches or whatnot. But like, is there ever a time when you're playing a team that, first of all, you know that you're you have to win. It's a bad team. You're better than um, is a one point victory. Like against a, like a team that, you know, you could beat. is that kind of a letdown? Like if the Vikings don't go out there and just annihilate them, do the players kind of feel like let down that they didn't handle their business or is a win? Um, a win? At the end of the day, a win is a win. However, you feel like uh, certain teams, I always want to say Detroit, Shouldn't be so close. Shouldn't be so, and like and a lot, like a lot of teams. Even back when I was in Miami, we'd be like it doesn't have to be close. Like that's something that everybody always would say. Like it doesn't have to be close. But and you feel more comfortable when it's not close. <laughs> but um, at the end of the day, a win is a win. It's also like, and like, you know, in that um, the game against the Cowboys in the playoffs that one year when it was what a 34 nothing game or whatever. And uh, was it Keith Brooking that got so pissed off at the end? And in my mind, it's like in college, you know, you're supposed to go out and just put up as many points because that's how the polls are. But in college, it's like it's almost like you're supposed to let off. But uh, it's also you guys are professional athletes like Keith Brooking. You don't like it. Stop them. Don't let them score. Like, you know, um, college, you know, um, my senior year in college, you know, my junior year, we played Washington. Um, and they beat us by five points my junior year. So when we played them my senior year, <laughs> we ended up beating them like, oh, like 69 to zero. And they threatened to never play us again and all that type. <laughs> uh, because you had our backups. You had backups like Frank Gore and Roscoe Parrish and, Willis McGahee and all them, and they all went to um, score and, you know, get touchdowns too. So even if you took out the starters, our backups were, could have been started other places too. So 
What they you're saying, backups that went on to have good, good, good right. great well, careers in the NFL. Yeah, has the backup that's still playing like yeah. 16 years later. Yeah. And that Washington game was the one that uh, like essentially kept you guys out of the national championship, exactly. right? Because you guys beat Florida lost, State. That was only lost that year. And somehow we beat Florida State, but then Florida State was able to play a national championship to only lose um, to Oklahoma that year. And if they would have won, that would only been a time we'd have cheered for Florida State because we'd have split the national championship with them. Mm-hmm. All right, Ron. What do you got? Well, let's do predictions before we hop off. Ron, what do you got? Uh, uh, Lions score. Well, I, you know, I, I think it is going to be a bloodbath, especially with the news today that Taylor Decker's out, Frank mm-hmm. Ragnall's out, and uh, Panay Sewell might not play. So that to me sounds like our defense is going to go off for seven plus sacks. Um, you know, and Jared Goff is Jared Goff. So now he's going to have pressure on him. Um, also the lions defensively, like they're like, they're just not very good. I mean, like it's again, say what you want about the Vikings and not being not very good, but the Vikings have talent across the field and minus Deandre Swift, um, and some other like TJ Hawkinson, obviously is a great player. Um, there's a lot of holes in that team. So if the Vikings don't score over 30, I think that's a bad thing. Um, but I think it'll be about a 34 to 13 game. Um, and I think they run away with it pretty, uh, pretty handily so i wouldn't put money on it um <laughs> that way um uh, but if the line's at seven and a half or whatever it is i definitely hammer, uh, it's, hammer uh, on it's, that it's climbed to nine and okay. uh yours is so close to mine i'll just get mine mine's 38 13 vikings and they're gonna they're gonna have a convincing win against an undermanned team and they're gonna get us excited for carolina and hopefully <laughs> carry that carry that down southeasterly Sally, you're smiling, chopping at the bit. Let's hear it. I just want to know how many of these points are defensive touchdowns. No, I. Thirty-eight. It could be, it could be a lot. I mean, with without without their two tackles in center, with uh, Hunter and a, a revived uh, Everson Griffin, it could be a lot of the. It could be a lot. Revenge game for Everson. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got, Sally? Don't say anything um, weird like <laughs> Lions win or something. Don't say anything weird. Uh, no, I, I think the Vikings will win. Um, mm-hmm. it, of course, whenever a game like this comes up, I feel, okay, is this a trap game? You know, my PTSD <laughs> kicks in. But I think that Purple they will PTSD. win. Uh, yeah, ding. I don't think, though, that um, it will be that high of scoring. I'm going to go more like 24-13. Okay. So that was going to be 24-17. 24-17. Okay. Yeah, you guys are making yeah. two. Well, I don't think I don't think it's gonna be a high scoring game, and I don't think we're gonna blow them out. I think the game would be a little closer than we expect. Because yeah. I watched Detroit, and Detroit actually have been playing people close, even though they've been losing. Yeah. But mm-hmm. they haven't been just getting blown out either. So I don't think it's gonna be a blowout. I agree, Brian. Yeah. So I, and the one thing where I will say, like, uh, why I think it's gonna be high scoring um is I think being one and three and with not having everything kind of click all at once, I think this is going to be the game where it's like, all right, we're going to like take the reins off a little bit and, you know, at least take some shots early, you know, possibly get mixed in a defensive touchdown. Um, but I just, I just think the ineptitude of the lions is going to come out and it's uh, um, and then, you know, not looking forward to Carolina, but I think Carolina's record is uh, a lot better than what their team is, especially without McCaffrey. So Okay, well, if it doesn't work out, Ron, you know where to find, where to find Kelly Sermons 20 minutes after the game. Yes, yes. Talk you uh, off the ledge. A reminder, yes. on, a reminder on Goff, just for students of the game, that uh, three seasons ago, and same with Carson Wentz, he was in that same vibe as Josh Allen, like MVP candidacy, 
taking all the ne- next steps and almost like Baker seems to be doing at least for a moment. They're just not very good, and I don't get it. It's it's weird that you see, especially Carson Wentz. It's weird that you see these guys just take the world by fire and through you know multiple seasons and then just not be very good. It's it feels like it's a new phenomenon for me. But yeah, it's usually like they and you know Brian. Have you ever seen any guys that like say for their first two or three years were like you know those guys that are the next good thing and then all of a sudden they just fall off? Like usually you, know, you see, yeah. Usually you see it at like 35, like with or 39 with Ben Roethlisberger, who seemingly has no right arm left, but it's uh, like, I've never yet yeah, uh, Dustin to your point. I've never seen these guys that are ascending to all of a sudden yeah. just not even plateau drop mm-hmm. off a hill. Yeah. Um, I look at that is like, I don't know if they have any time, but outside distractions going on. I don't, I wonder how you're so young and all of a sudden you're going like this, then all of a sudden they're like this. So I'm like, are you, they're like outside distractions that they're dealing with. And all of a sudden, they just don't know how to recover. I don't. I, I've always wondered that because I've seen it a few times with people. Is it like a? I mean, like in for Wentz and Goff, like they got massive paydays, and you think that it it's just they mental, stopped. It could be a mental money. thing too, and they feel like it's pressure for them to try to live up to the paydays. It, it could be a lot of things. You know, the game is mental. Yeah, because so, guys just bust out right away, or yeah. Sally, is our uh, tailgating experience open to the listenership, or is that an elite club? it's a public parking lot oh, okay well tell them i'm i'm gonna be there since i'm staying the night saturday in minneapolis i know i'm so where proud they, of you where can they find all of us except bryant um it's the gold it's the gold <laughs> lot i can't tell you exactly where it's gonna be because it kind of changes okay depending on you know what time first come first serve with a vehicle parking but it's not a very big parking lot so it shouldn't be easy to should be easy to find okay well for well, can i just shout out this um instagram Yes. It's a Minnesota Vikings sports Instagram, right? Wait, we didn't even talk about the anniversary. <laughs> That's what I was about to bring up. Oh, the Sto- Bros who um, posted <laughs> a video. Here goes the song. <laughs> I gotta have me my boats and hoes. Boats and hoes. Boats. <laughs> so remind me that today is the 16-year anniversary of the Love Boat. Ooh. Well, congratulations, Brian. What a momentous day. I didn't even day. remember which date it was. <laughs> yeah. We, we should have had a cake. <laughs> but, ha- yeah, happy anniversary. Shit, I wish I remembered to bring that right. up earlier. Yep, and this is also the 11th uh, year anniversary of the Randy Moss trade back to the Vikings. Oh, we well, didn't need to bring oh, that up. Okay. That's depressing. Oh, back to. Oh, that was a great yeah. day. Yep, that <laughs> wasn't exciting. I remember that was the, a great day. Player 84 jerseys out. <laughs> yep, that was uh, um, when I was getting towards the end of my 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 drinking, and I remember that night was just a humongous party. because. Oh, it, yeah. I'll never right. forget that day. Well, All Brian, right. how, how does it feel? feel? Hold on, how did that feel that everybody had to pull their jerseys back out? Like, oh, like that was wonderful. What did y'all think? Oh uh, my was, god, uh, we thought it was fate meant to be. It was like uh, it it rivaled Favre's arrival. Oh, it was better it, uh, than that for me. It was better yeah, because again, yeah. like and I like we talked about, we had Randy on. Like that, he's the reason why I fell in love with football. Like you know, I was mm-hmm. uh, what, 12, 13 years old or whatever, and to see like what he did um, as I was just starting to like fall in love with football. It, like that was everything to me. So I didn't, I don't care if Randy Moss came back now and signed with the Vikings, I would be just yeah. as happy. <laughs> but I, we I, also, I, yeah, <laughs> we also didn't know what we had in Brett Favre when he was coming here. Like we didn't, right. we were very skeptical, you know, like yeah, he okay, came off that Jets year. That was, yeah, uh, he wasn't iffy, very good. So. Are we going to embrace this guy? It was a Packer with Randy. It was like, he was still playing yeah. very well. And we, the way he left was so unfortunate and not fair. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, I remember <laughs> when I typed in www.vikings.com and it was literally just his photo and it said, welcome home 84. You couldn't click anything else on the website. That was all the website was. It was a show. Oh. And it was just like, I remember I just cried. Like it was just so unbelievable because we didn't have Twitter back then. Right. So there wasn't any right. rumors about it. It wasn't like you were like, Oh, you know, you're seeing people like breaking news or mm-hmm. anything. So it was just shocking. I don't know. It was a great day. Don't mean to overshine oh. the love boat though. Yeah. Oh no, not at all. No, we need to have this be <laughs> like the Viking holiday after we revealed these two little dogs. Yeah, let me write this down. Yeah, October, October 6th. This is yep. a it's, it's a big day. <laughs> it's a Libra <laughs> day, isn't it? It's a Libra day, of course. Libra season <laughs> is the only Libra time. Season. Yeah. Love boat. Right. My birthday's Monday. Love- now, are you still close with, with Smoot at all? Like, could we have a uh, uh, I could get him on here, yeah. He definitely would like to come on here and talk. Pretty let's sure. talk to Smooth. He's animated anyway. If we, if, I mean, if we, maybe this could be the like the launching pad for our show is like I have a full on. We don't need to go listen. into details, but like, like well, you have to go this, into detail. Well, I mean, listen, people on um people in that that um Instagram post, they were like, we need, they added Netflix, Netflix. We need a four part series. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I saw that. <laughs> I met a guy last week. Okay, here it is. That had on a custom Smoot jersey. Because that's the new style jersey. Like, people still love Fred Smoot. But does that make you feel old? 16 years? Yeah, 16 years. I'm like, dang, that was 16 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Would you do it again? Would you do it again? It went off to win six straight, right? <laughs> yeah, seven wins. Yeah. <laughs> so it was team building. Yeah. It was. That's what it was. It was, it was bonding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, we are over on time. So oh, okay. I, I wanted well. to wrap it up and say skull. <laughs> and if you're, if you're listening, come see us for the tailgating experience Sunday morning for Vikings Lions. Gold lot. Gold lot. All right. Good night, everybody. Skull. <laughs>